Coming up in this episode of the Super Pesos Roundup podcast, we return after a break to discuss all the latest games in the men's and women's postseason. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pesos Roundup podcast. And welcome to episode 46 of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me as ever is our resident coach and guru on all things Pes Apollo. It's Mikko Pirron. And Mikko, how are you doing? Just waiting for the weekend. We're recording this on Wednesday <laughs> and obviously on uh, Saturday and, uh, well, in w- women's finals, at least on Sunday as well. Uh, we're going to have some awesome games and uh let's just say that we're gonna have a like a befitting final to an excellent season and uh there's a lot of still a lot to play for obviously but uh, what a ride it's been i mean one of the most fascinating season if not the most fascinating one that i can recall at least in men's superpasses well, we talked about this, I think, even last year, how how exciting this coming season might well be, the, the changes that each of the teams is, uh, have been making, the progress, and how we're not seeing the sort of old style, maybe top two, top three. Okay, yeah, in the men's, it's Sotkom versus um, Vimpley again. Um, but that's the first time in, in a, a number of years um since 2016 but we're seeing a, a lot of closer games a lot of uh, very interesting series and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment uh, of course we've been off the air for quite some time um partly down to the fact i went on on holiday and i didn't have a very good microphone <laughs> so i couldn't really get it to work and everything so uh, apologies to our regular listeners who who seem to have missed out there but Wow, a lot has happened since those final games in the season right the way through now to the finals. And it's the road to the finals I really wanted to talk about. And that started with these preliminary rounds for the postseason in the men's, which was a new concept for for this year. I mean, we've seen a lot of changes over the years with the way that the postseason's worked, including splitting the, the, um, the top and bottom of the the league for a few games and uh, and so on and so forth so how did you think that the preliminary rounds worked this year were they a success or, or were they a bit disappointing i think the reason why they kind of worked was the way that they unfolded which was like the games were ex- actually exciting so that that was the reason and uh, we get up Bit of a surprise when Jimmy Josit like uh, defeated Taco and uh, got through the to the actual quarterfinals. 
And uh, yeah, I need to bang my drum once again, as I always do in this podcast. And when I said in my season preview that Jumiusit can be and will be the surprise package this year, uh, which was <laughs> which was not the case earlier in the season, but that seems to be the trend that they they start like god awful and then like okay they had a rough program to begin with but then they just kind of find their groove and the young players get get it going but as far as the system goes and and of course Kite played and like they played an awesome series against Patriarchy as well uh but I think that just a couple of days ago, if it, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, Jarko Pokela from uh, Pesakarhut, he said that if we're going to play this kind of a system, wouldn't it be befitting to the bronze medal games? So that each team would get a home game and they wouldn't have to play a best out of three series and wait for a week to get like I, I think that Kempele would be against that idea at this point in men's men's game but but I, I think it makes sense. So that it it would be if it's not a one off then let's play best out of two. But then again, yeah, I d I don't want that system next year. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think uh, a lot of changes will be coming in next year. Um, there's uh, automatic relegation, trying to reduce the numbers in in uh, superpasses for the men's as well. So I'm not sure how they'll work the the series and the system out next year. But it was an interesting uh, set of series, in particular um, Patioki series, like you say against Kite. Those were two teams that were really fired up. And really wanting to progress, uh, Yumi Asit, like you say, um, they were they seem to be the surprise package. Um, they started off being surprisingly bad <laughs> and got surprisingly better. Um, but yeah, to knock out Taka was uh, it was quite unexpected, I, I must say. But you got a sense throughout the season that the air had gone out of Taka that that you know they weren't playing to the the best of their abilities um anyway but well Senioki's uh, journey into the uh, postseason was short-lived because of course being the lowest ranked uh side going through they had a series against Vimpoli and well that was never going to end in their favor moving to those first round matches a best of seven series Miko do you think that worked well we saw uh, a nail-biter uh, when it came to uh, Kempele's series. But do you think of a best of five games would be better for the first rounds and leading up maybe to a seven-game series final, like they do, for example, in the World Series of Baseball? Uh, well, since this, uh, this is like a semi-pro sport where home games where you actually have attendance a lot a lot more attendance than in your average regular season game each uh, home game in the playoffs is like worth its weight in gold like that's why it is best out of seven 
and so you get two home games and that's why i think that the system is not going to change and uh i i think it was a good one and especially because we saw like well at least one nail biter and uh the kovala mansa series was actually yeah it was yeah it was fascinating too but but yeah, I I I support that system to for financial reasons because I know how how tight it is like financially to a lot of uh, teams. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it certainly is of great benefits to get uh, the fans in the stands uh, going late into the uh, the autumn. Um. You mentioned there the Corvola series. They obviously took a, a 2 nothing lead early on, only for Mansa, who had been a bit of a disappointment for most of the season, uh, to then completely turn it around and come back. We know that Corvola had really lacked that edge uh, after Elias Pitkinen picked up that pre-season injury. And um, we've talked about it a lot. Um, as to how realistic their their chances going deep into the postseason were, but there was a moment. There was a moment where it looked like actually they were going to be in the medal matches. Um, Mikko, what did you make of that series overall? Well, I, I think the Monza were able to develop their game throughout the series, and their their experience in the end they got the better of Kovala and uh, Pere Turuska was. Just amazing uh, when it got when when it got tough, and uh, Kovala played a fine season in my books, and uh, they have nothing to be ashamed of. Of course, they wouldn't have wanted that to end this way, and it was it was close. I mean, they they were two nil up in that particular series, so uh, I would say that basically. Yeah, I mean the right team won, and uh, the why they won was that they were able to develop their game throughout the series. And it's those adjustments, those those kind of developments that Kovala just simply couldn't match. Um, and like you say, you know that there's there's a great deal of depth and experience in that monster side. Um, the other. Uh, series we've touched on so far was that uh, Kempele Yonsu um, seven game uh, series and it was incredible start to finish um, these two teams desperately wanting to get into the medal matches and in the end Kempele just edge it in that uh, extra inning the Super Bowl Mikko was this one of the best series that you've seen in a while uh, First round, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it depends how you look at it in terms of quality, definitely not. But, I mean, for entertainment, yeah. Uh, because they they made just... Uh, well, they had quality play, too. And they tactically, it was sound. So that was, that was the kind of thing. But, but the, the issue was that they made, like, schoolboy errors all around the place and they were like home runs uh, also all over the place and it was like you never ever knew what was coming up next but 
but you also knew that probably there are going to be a lot of runs, which is <laughs> which is a yeah. lot of fun to watch. Which is what happened. <laughs> but it, it never, like, for me, it was more like, uh, like two boxers going against each other without covering their faces at all. It was like, well, this is like, we just punch each other until someone falls. And so it was a bit of a, like a Rocky two <laughs> kind of a situation. But in the end, like the, the right team, like won in, in my opinion. Mm. Well, during my, uh, during the season, I put together that spreadsheet of um, defensive statistics. And one of the things that really stood out was how often Kempley were giving up runs with uh, runners on third base from um, wild throws or other errors compared to other teams. So they were more likely to give up uh, runs from errors and things like that. Um but this is a team that's been building and building year after year, and they've they've been aiming for the medal games, and now they're in uh, they're in a chance to win that bronze. How important do you think it is for Kempley now to to be up there with those bigger teams? Crucial. I mean, ten years ago, I was a part of the Johansson team when we won the first bronze medal and uh, the celebrations were kind of bigger than for some players who, who had won, won the championship because that, that meant like a beginning of an era. So it meant that now we are actually a part of this, like not just top four, but at least we got a medal out of it. And, uh, they they are in a similar position that you can see it like when they reached the semi-finals there were people like uh, hugging each other and crying and it was like it was the biggest moment in their history like in 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 men's basketball and uh, that was uh, yeah that was huge for the organization and uh, I. I'm just happy for them and happy for Superpasis uh, that we're getting a, like a wider group of teams that are actually able to do that basically against anyone. Yeah. Well, on the flip side, of course, it was another year for Joinsu without um, a, a run at the championship. This is a team that it's not shy when it comes to looking uh, at, at signing players, at, at paying the money if they need to, to get to where they want to be. But things just didn't really seem to work out for them that way this year. I think there was an, an issue, obviously, with um, uh, Yoni Rutkinen earlier on in the season. Um, and obviously, there'd been a, a, a big sort of contract fee uh, for him anyway. Um, Miko, is this a team that's going to come back at spending more, looking um, looking long and hard in the mirror, or do you think that they are they're on track? They just need to keep doing what they're doing. Well, they need to renew some parts of the team, 
and I think they will do that. But there are not a lot of players in on the market anyway, and uh, but they had some young players who did develop this year. Uh, I think I think Villa Valleja played a fantastic year, and uh, well, they will lose some players, but they will also get some quality players. And uh, I still think that it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, and best run organization uh, in the game. So they have to be playing in the semifinals or to be able to reach the semifinals and play for the championship uh, year after year. That's the only object that they want to have that, that trophy. Uh, and it's it has only been four years since they got it, but it's like it is four years, so they they want to get back. Yeah, and I I I think this year they performed on the whole much better than they have in the last couple of years, where they, they sort of seem to be very inconsistent in games. But I think the difficulty, as I say, this year was that there was a couple of key pieces. Uh, throughout the season that seemed to be dislodged um but yeah it was it was a hard fought series but obviously in the end it was uh, Kempele then who sealed their their fate with uh, Sotkom and Yume the other two uh, first round uh, series and of course Vimpley we've already touched on not a lot to say in terms of that series against Yume it it was <laughs> David versus Goliath only this time Goliath won <laughs> Um, but the the uh, Sotkom and Yuma series uh, against Kite was actually a little bit more interesting, I thought. Yes, okay, Sotkom won for nothing, but you got a sense from those games that that Kite were were really pushing. They were they they were they were doing things that certainly earlier on in the season you wouldn't have expected them to be able to achieve. So I think that was certainly a step forward for them. Well, definitely, they were in it, and they they showed signs of of a winning team who were well prepared and they were ready to win. They were not just participating in the playoffs and not just hoping for the best. But in uh, like I, I tip my hat to them, they played a really really good playoff series and really pushed Sotkamo down the wire. Although it was four nil, so uh, but yeah. And I thought that they they gave Sotkamo some real issues to deal with. And then, of course, we move on to those semi-final series. Um, Sotkamo versus uh, Kempele. Kempele took the, the first win in the series. It It looked as though they were, they were really in it. Right the way up until I think the very end, that very last Yaksu in, in game uh, four. Because when you look at the score sheet, there's not a lot in it. Uh from from inning to inning, it was it was really intense. Um but of course Sodcom have that edge. We've said it throughout the season, they looked like uh, a real competitive team. A, a proper Sodcomo team like it's got that DNA, it's got that feel about it, and that's certainly how they played um, 
throughout the season and going into that series. But, uh, Michael, what did you make of the series? Well, that was a classic. I mean, that was... Uh, I mean, if we're being honest, like, Gambele was... They were probably... Like, they had the better of... Like, they had a better grip in the first three games. And they were just not able to to actually win the games and uh, and also like in the end uh, what happened was that <laughs> Rope Corona stepped up <laughs> no surprise surprise but but yeah I mean once again it was an it was an amazing performance by uh, for this Kempele side they just ran out of gas and I, I think that there were some some signs of like lack of experience in some like uh, some parts, but all in all, I did I do think that they were also they were not just happy to get there. They were actually like going for it, and they went like all in, and they gave Sotkam a lot of trouble, and uh, yeah. Uh, an amazing series. That one, I think, was one of the best we have seen in a long time in semi-finals. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like you say, it's, I'd probably say it's it's the little finishing touches that that Kempele just are missing at the moment that Sotkomo have. You know, that there's there's this kind of built-in DNA for for Sotkomo for this kind of. Uh, this kind of postseason attitude, how they go through the series, and like you say, there's some lack of experience here and there um, that just sort of made some of the differences in in some of the places. But it, it's very encouraging signs from from them as a as a club going forwards. And uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that series. The other semi final, then of course, Vimpoli versus Monza. Um, Apart from from game two where where Monza won two nothing, Vimpli never looked in major trouble, but they certainly had some issues to deal with with this Monza side. Miko, would you agree? Uh, I do agree. I mean, you're you're spot on about that. And Monza Monza played a very good series. I think that they still. Could have could have had a gear in them, but uh, I think that their core core of the team played well enough. But uh, I mean, the, overall the the quality just shone true, and Vimpeli uh, were the better side. But but yeah, I mean, Monza played well uh, when they when they won Vimpeli against Vimpeli when they defeated them. Uh, Vimpeli had a 22-game winning streak coming into that game. So I think that that says it all. I, I think it was the third or fourth longest in Superpass's history. So, so yeah, like doing that was was a great feat. And, uh, but yeah, Vimpeli were just that one step ahead. 
So, of course, now we move on to the final series and the bronze match. And at the time of recording, these are still ongoing series. So we've had two games in the men's um, final, which narrowly have won both of those. I don't know if I can take much more of it, Mikkel, but I I get a sense, and I, I mentioned in my previews on the blog, that this is one that will go all the way to five games. I think that Sotokomo would would edge it. I I think that the defence is just that little bit more polished. And as is often quoted, offence wins games, defence wins championships. Something tells me this could be Sotokomo's time that they could make it. What do you think? I, I never saw this coming. I mean, not after the playoffs that Sotokomo had uh, up until that point. And uh, I, I think that if you look at the odds and the probabilities before that series, uh, I didn't see a lot of uh, bookmakers who would have given like Sotkamo more than like one out of four chance to actually win the series. So that's like one of the most lopsided like. <sighs> Serious, it should have been like I. I didn't. I, I thought that it would be three one or something like that that they would get that one odd win, uh, at home. But like their defense was nothing like this before in the in these playoffs. But they made the necessary changes and they they really had like like it's been so close. I mean. We have, we've seen four Yaksos, and not one of those have been decided by two runs or more. It's been either a draw or one run each way, and it's been Sotkamo's way. So, I mean, this was it, them being 2-0 up after for the first weekend was, this is a big surprise. Well, it's uh, it's a long way back from two nothing down to win a series three two. But if anybody can do it, Vimpoli can. I mean, it's it's not impossible. <laughs> the, these games can easily can easily flip, especially when you've got a week in between the the series. Yeah, but it, it's a long way to think about it. I mean, when you're two nil down. And you know that you were the favorite, whether you think about it or not. Uh, you know that you need to, like, you need to step up your game, but now you know what you're up against. And that is like a Sotkamo side who have raised their game significantly come finals. But I, I just wanted to drop one piece of, like, <laughs> information that Okay, All, a lot of listeners know, but this is like, uh, having followed Robert since, ever since he got to Sokamo, where <laughs> born this, in the same year, uh, listen to this. He's played now 18 Super Opposites finals, and in the, in game one, 
in Superpasses in this 18 series. Game 1. Uh, 3 home runs and 41's, 41 RBIs batted in. He's been... He's been the best player in 9 of those 18 games. And the second best in 2 of those. So... Like when when we're going to the finals, the the man just he just yeah he just lights up. I mean he's that's when he brings his A game when it actually gets going, and uh, we can be surprised year after year. But if he's basically the best player, like he's the best batter of all times, but he's the is the best to do it when the when the pressure is the highest. So that's like that's what he's been doing. And then they've had some bit of luck and bit of like errors from Bimbelli, but the margins are these legendary margins, they are so small in this series that yeah, you're right, like anything can happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting final few games. If we get games, it could be it could be one, but I, I I suspect it's it's going to go all the way. Um, but yeah, Robo Koronen. The the other thing as well that's that's really interesting about that is I I saw in uh, Il Tasanomat there was an article about how scoring runs the later we get into the season and in particular into September is harder scientifically because of the atmosphere, the rain, and all of these things interfering with things. So if you take that into account as as well as the pressure and all of this and, and the calibre of teams that Robokoronen is, is hitting against, it actually makes it all more impressive. But, uh, yeah, it, it really was the, the Robokoronen sort of show certainly in that, that first game. Um, but what really uh, interested me about the second game was uh, Nilo Pierponiemi's uh, uh, hit that um, then scored the run that uh, took um, Sotkoma ahead in that game. It was it was really um, something to watch. <laughs> really, really interesting. Um, and like we say, these fine margins, just the the, the way the ball's going to bounce. Where it's going to bounce, that just whether it hits the right part of the glove and then doesn't go off into the river, for example, in, in Vimple or where have you, you know, it's those kind of things that will uh, will make the difference in this series, and that's what makes it compelling to to really watch. It's um, yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, that's the those are the things, and uh, we're gonna see something like extraordinary this come this Saturday and uh, I'm not like it's always like it's it's supposed to be this kind of a like sports romantic thing that we want to see five games I'm just like I'm boring I want to see the best team win 
I mean, <laughs> I'm not taking anybody's side. I think that if you're three nil, for for me, it's like as satisfying if it's like if somebody is better, like three nil. So it's like, yeah, you were the better team. So, so let's see. But I, one thing that is for sure is that the atmosphere is gonna be like, it's gonna be one of the most fascinating that we have seen or heard in years. So whilst all eyes seem to be on the uh, finals, of course we still have the bronze matches as well, and. Kempele managed to claw a game back in game two against Monza, and now they have home field advantage for this game three. The teams have had a week away from the field to reflect, to kind of stake out their opponents and, and consider any changes to their game plans. Do you think that we could be on the verge of seeing Kempele's first medal? Or do you think that Mansa will, will probably have made those changes they need to dominate this game? Uh, I I think it's a coin flip. I mean, it really is. I, I mean, everybody thinks that Kempele wants it more, but I'm not so sure about it. I mean, Tampere, well, they want to win. Like, they want to stay... Uh, in top three as well, and uh, they don't want to. They they have players who have like the <laughs> the winning DNA, so to say. But but one thing is for sure that if I mean should Kempele win this game, uh, the, that whole place is gonna go like <laughs> absolutely nuts. It's gonna be insane for like a week or so, <laughs> to be honest. But, but, but yeah, uh, yeah it's a, that makes it fascinating. Like if, if it would be, for example, Sotkamo against Tampere would not, it be, would be like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But let's see. I mean, another good game. Yeah, the, the, the way I see it, I think Kempele need to win for for their, you know, how they've been building their club. They desperately want to win. Whereas I think from Mainz's perspective, they desperately don't want to lose because they should be in the medals. They want to be in the medals. They shouldn't be losing. So they're, they're more thinking about it from that side of things. That's how, <laughs> how I picture it anyway. But of course, at the 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 other end of the of the scales for all of this, we also had the the elimination uh, series, um, and we saw Koskan Korva drop from Superpesis and Alayarvi stay up. Uh, Mika, were you surprised that Alayarvi stayed up? I mean, certainly earlier on in the year, Koskan Korva seemed to be doing well enough to try and stay clear from that relegation battle, but in the end. It just seems to have been too much. Yeah, I think that the early season success for Koskan Korova was just a, a bit of a smoke screen, to be honest. And uh, in the end, we saw the like the overall uh, level of not just the team, but 
to be honest, the whole organization around it. And uh, that team, in the end, they didn't deserve to stay in so bad a position. Okay, it was a close call, but for me, it was a better thing that those that young that that young Balayar uh, side they managed to stay up. And I think it was also extremely wise words they were uh, from the president of the uh, Zappolo operations, so to say, in, in Koske and Koroba, uh, that when they got relegated, they say that now they are going to build like from the ground, that they are going to build from their own youth, which they kind of have been doing. And uh, they are in no rush to get like promoted again. So they're going to aim to get promoted in 2026. So that's like building from the youth. And I, I think that that is healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when I was uh, interviewing uh, Nestori Ule Sisala, uh, the captain for Ali Harvey uh, earlier on the season, he was talking about how Ali Harvey went through that process. They they had to pr- pretty much build from the ground back up. And when they were relegated, they they took everything to one side and they, they started afresh. And that's done them well. You know, like you say, you know, this this fairly young side, they've played with a lot of, of heart um, and energy, certainly more than I saw from uh, Kankampa last year in that series who were playing against Koska and Korva. That was a team that was was done. But of course, this year, Kankampa and Myla, they were the team that then um, Ali Arve had to go up against to try and stay <laughs> in Superpesis. You know, it wasn't enough just to beat Koska and Korva. But of course, in the end, Ali Arve again um, got one over on, on Kankampa and Myla. So... Some interesting games at the bottom as well. I do think, like you say, it was probably the right the right outcome for those teams. It gives Koskan Korva that chance. We talked for, for a few seasons now about how this was a team that started to just decline and there was that there was some difficulties in getting fans into the stands as well that really wasn't wasn't that healthy or sustainable. So hopefully We'll see them back in a few years' time, a younger, fresher, more exciting side, um, because that's what the fans in that region deserve. Uh, yeah, I think that what the organisation like, not just deserves, but they they desperately need, because this year we saw that they didn't get the fans back to the stands. They didn't get a lot going and... Uh, yeah, they need to build from scratch. Well, that's all the games so far in the men's. Um, we'll take a short break and then we'll uh, be talking about the games and series from the women's Super Pesis. Okay, so welcome back. We've moved on from the men's games and series, and now we're talking about the women's Super Pesis. And I wanted to 
talk about the the elimination series first here um because um Roy Huteret again have survived they seem to have this phenomena um and there's going to be a post coming about this on on the blog shortly where all of a sudden they become a different animal in the postseason the number of runs they've scored in the postseason compared to what they'd scored in the regular season is like night and day they um had a tight series against Kempele but to be honest they they looked like they were in command of that for the best part and then a fairly easy series against all on Lippo um Mikko, what do you make of uh, of Roy Huteret's uh, retention of their spot in Super Paces? They dig have more lives than a cat does. I mean, <laughs> they're just uh, year after year, no matter how how top of a spot it is that they get themselves into, they just somehow manage to get up. I mean, just. It's just amazing, but I mean, once again, like if we're talking from a sports sports perspective, um, uh, tipping my hat once again, and uh, of course, like the margins at the bottom, they were not that big when we, like we saw when the bottom team started to play against each other. And that's when Rohutara showed that they did have that extra bit of like quality in them, but still it was so close. It was so, so close and it could have gone like basically <laughs> like the outcome could have been anything, but yeah, the big question is obviously the future and how they're gonna how they're able to build that organization. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of questions up in the air. But uh, for now, the most important thing is that they maintain their like, status as a super business team. Well, it was all the more interesting set of games when you consider that the the two uh, Hergland sisters who are seen as really the the kind of core talent for the, for this team going forwards in, in the coming years and 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 at the moment as well that they were both out of, uh, injured for for six of those games uh, Charlotte was available for two but Camilla for, for none she, you know didn't play in the series at all so it was like Roy Huteret was were playing with one hand tied behind their back um, at times in those series, and yet they still managed to to put in those performances. So, like you say, more lives than a cat. But um, the interesting point, like you say, is going to be what happens in the future because just surviving year to year isn't going to be enough. Um, This is a team that's got a strong community behind them that, you know, if they can just steady the ship and stay out of that relegation zone they they could be um something uh, in the coming years so that's the bottom um we saw 
the first round of the the playoffs some interesting series uh, we talked about uh, Kiriteret and Lapua going head to head in our last um podcast episode and and how that series may pan out and it really depended on who was going to step up were were Lapo going to shake off some of their inconsistencies or were Kiritaret going to step up without Mari Mansonen and in the end it was uh, Lapo who who advanced to the next round fairly confident that they would have uh, when you when you start looking at some of those games but of course it was Kiritaret that took the the first game uh, Mika, what was your thoughts on that series? Lapua found their game towards the end of the season a bit better. Of course, the like uh, getting Janet Lepisa healthy and uh, to to their lineup again that was a huge thing. But they they kind of found their defense as well, and that was that was the key thing. Finding their confidence and uh, that, like, that also showed when they played like in the la- in the latter stages. But, uh, yeah, of course, Kiritaret are. It's a difficult situation. It's difficult to judge them um, at this point because they were lacking the best pitcher in the in the game uh, in women's superpasses and. Uh, and yeah, but Lapua deserved them, deserved it like fair and square. In the well, in one of the other series, then we saw Senyon Mailiusit going up against Johansson Myler, and Johansson almost looked like they were going to pull off the, the, the impossible and knock out one of the the surprise packages of the women's. Um, Super Pesis this year, when they took a two nothing lead in that series, um, but in the end it was um, Maliusit who who came back. Mikko, what do you make of that series? That was wild. That was wild because uh, Maliusit they have been building that team, that organization for years and years, and they are young players, talented players who have stepped up big time this season. And they've been hunting that top four spot at least for years. And like last year, they got defeated against Tarapua in in like in a way that really hurt them. And if they would have lost this series, that would have been a major blow for Indians who got to a situation where they actually had like they. They went to a Superboro and winning that, they they would have won the whole series. And like, that was just that was just amazing. And uh, but in the end, uh, the like Senayoki found found their game and got there. Like they grew that bit that they needed uh, in in that series. But uh, yeah, you also have absolutely nothing to be uh, like ashamed of, obviously. And uh, but Senayaki were the better side throughout the season, and uh, the in the end the right team progressed. 
but it was one of the most fascinating, if not the most fascinating, uh, quarterfinal series in women's superpasses that I can recall in ages. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about how predictable the the women's uh, postseason has been, and certainly in the first rounds um, over the years. But th- this really was a, a close one. It was it, it was one where certainly after those first two games, you you got a sense that there was a chance for the for this Yoansu side to to go through, and which um, you know they've they've been. <sighs> outside of the postseason looking in for so long and now actually um coming close to uh, a semi-final um is uh, is a very impressive step forward for them the other two um first round series um Mansa against uh Malatret, it was uh <laughs> Pretty, pretty obvious that Monza were the better team and likely to advance from there. But Milotret gave it a go. They they certainly uh, scored a few runs in the opening game. About that, Monza were just the better side. Yeah, I mean, Milotret gave everyone a go this year, and uh, I, I would have been, I would not have been surprised, uh, like if they would have gone further down the wire but yeah I think the quality just shone true in the end and uh, that's like that's the most important take take away from this uh, series I, I, I think if Maletret had had uh, not any other team but but most of the other teams who were in the postseason as their first round opponents they probably have, have had a better chance but but Mansa just seemed to to dominate in, in those games. Um, the the other first round series, then of course uh, Pesakarhut against Ferrer. Again, Pesakarhut take the series three nothing. But th- there are some some interesting points there from from Ferrer. Some some games where they could have almost uh, taken a win away. But in the end, you know, Pori have been been. So good in the run-up towards the postseason, and now, of course, then uh, advancing. It, it was uh, it was unlikely that Ferro were going to get past this uh, this roadblock. Yeah, especially given the injuries that they like they had in the uh, in the end of the regular season, and uh, yeah, but it was just. They just were the better team, but uh, I mean, Rauma have—they don't have to bury their heads in the sand. They—they they did give it a go, and they—they uh, they do have some young, uh, quality players to build on. Uh, if they can keep them in their ranks, and uh, and yeah, uh, but better team won. The interesting matchup was really going to be Mansa versus Lapua. This Lapua side really uh, touted at the beginning of the season as serious challengers uh, for the championship. Miko, 
in the end, of course, it was Mansa who who took the series three one. But do do you feel that Lapo really had a great chance here, or, or there were just too many issues um, for them to overcome Mansa? Yeah, I, I was kind of torn, like in my opinion, before the series that. Is Lapua like are they ready enough? They have progressed uh, towards the team that I thought they could be or should be this season. But in the end, I mean, they were not. And uh, Monte has the quality, and they have had the quality in the uh, in the last two months. And they have showed it, and that just that just got them through in the end. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I mean, at times Monza played uh, excellent, Pesapalo uh, overall, but um, but yeah, Lapua were they were not that far, but like far enough. That's that I would use that. Yeah, and it's certainly the way I I saw it. There, there were some moments where you just thought Mansa was so slick, especially in defence, um, that uh, Lapoy didn't really get a, you know, an opportunity to get ahead there. Um, then, of course, in the other semi final, uh, Pesakarhut against uh, Maliusit. The games themselves surprisingly close, but it was Pori who who took the series three nothing. Do you think Maliusit were a bit hard done by not to at least pick up a, a win from those three games? I think so, and uh, they, I mean, they have taken, like I said, they have taken a step forward, and they were actually ready to challenge this year and the future looks extremely bright for say Naoki and uh yeah, but Bori are a high quality team and they had a lot more experience and like and they they were both were tactic tactically very good in this series and uh but I just think that the individual quality and experience were the deciding factors in this. That, but it, it could have gone like three one or even three two. But I think that Bore was going to progress anyway. They're there or thereabouts now. You know, they're in the medal matches. We could be on the cusp of seeing a bit more competition at the top uh, like we are seeing now in the men's which is a really interesting prospect um, moving then to the medal matches themselves we'll start with the bronze matches um, even though of course Maliusit made it through um, it's Lapua who have uh, picked up the bronze medal already going 2 nothing in that series um, they they needed that medal at Lapua. They they 
have been pushing, uh, like we say, for for the championship. They really wanted to be there this year, but uh, they needed that medal just to help build for the for the coming years. Um, Miko, your thoughts? Well, Lapua still have their number. Like they they have had for for a couple of years, and uh, but but I think that the Lapua's core is they they have experience they will still be dangerous in next year and the year after that and they are not going anywhere then they they have quality if they just can man- maintain the core but as for Senayoki their quality players are just coming through they are in their 20s and they have like they have a lot of uh, contracts for the next couple of years, and they do have uh, like really good talents, like really like blue chip prospects coming through from the juniors, and they are one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, team and organizations for the like in the amount of juniors coming through. So. In the next, say, three, four, five years, uh, I would really be surprised if we're not seeing Senayoki not just in the bronze game, but also like playing for the championship if everything goes by this mm. way. Yeah. Well, we'll see how those years unfold. Unfortunately for them, the season is over. The final itself, then. So, Monza versus uh, Pesacarhood. A matchup I think some of us may have been thinking about earlier on in the season. Certainly, I was, was thinking Monza would be would be up there. Did wonder whether Pesacarhood had made those off-season moves, those changes that would... It is. In, uh, for a, I mean, for a moment, it looked like Monza were running away with it when they got like they got their scare in the first first final when they had to like they they basically won the game through a video review and uh, Bori were tactically like streets ahead and Monster were like they were they were stuck in the mud for for a long time in that game and uh, we have not seen that in ages but then when they went to Bori and they just uh, they just beat the living daylights out of them I mean it, it was just what a two in the first Yaxo and it, in the beginning of second Yaxo Monster went 3-1 ahead and that's when we like also my thoughts were that okay it's 2-0 to Monza basically and uh, so yeah when and after that like Bori showed their backbone and uh, yeah I mean it was impressive that they got that win and now it's getting really really interesting uh, this weekend the, the I've seen on social media a lot of talk about the scheduling of these things. I mean, whether it's a good idea that these games, the, these really high profile and really exciting series are 
basically competing against one another for viewers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, there's like if we put if we're talking about like men's and women's finals, and uh, that's like okay. There's I think two and a half hour difference uh, at the moment. Uh, one starts at like, half past noon, and uh, the other one at three p.m. So I think it should be good and i mean i've been i've been kind of surprised by the like <sighs> okay if you want to make like a issue about it i mean if if we actually want to make an issue about why do the women play first and why but their game is in like it's live in on national tv on on free channel for anybody to watch so if you want to make like an an argument that okay why don't the man play first uh, uh, some year so the wouldn't that be like gender equality and i'm i'm like i mean part of my friends but what what the hell are you talking about i mean this is like this is the this is the smallest issue that i've ever heard of in my life that's i that's my take so it's like that's really just ridiculous <laughs> well yeah i think that the thing that always surprises me is is how well received women's super is in terms of viewing numbers and certainly if you contrasted it with other countries and other other sports you you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of examples i think um the women's big bash league in in australia uh, the, the cricket is is very well received in terms of numbers but other than that it's it, <laughs> we're, we're talking little things little little problems whether they're real problems or otherwise but i tell you what is uh, and something i can't not mention and that's the trophy. And I think everybody listening, if you don't know what I mean, uh, just Google and look at the the trophy that's being um, uh, that that's been decided that will be the the champions trophy for the women's super Pisces this year. Um, it won a competition, I believe. Um, it's been designed by an artist. Art divides people, and it's certainly divided the online community. Um, my view personally is I don't mind art. I'm happy seeing art, but at the end of the day, if I was a sports player, I'd want to win a trophy that I wanted to win, not something that gives a message particularly. Um, something that's become iconic, something that, you know, you really want to just look at and say, that's the trophy. That's what I won. I'm not so sure a lot of people will look at that trophy and have that feeling. So that's that's my thought on it. Um, that's not to say that it's terrible piece. I know a lot of people are saying a lot of bad things about it. But personally, if I was a sports person, I'd have to ask myself, is that a, is that a trophy I would want to win, that I would want to look at? And say, yes, that's that's 
that's my achievement. Uh, I agree. I mean, that's that's what you should be feeling as as a player or as a sports person. And uh, I I don't know. I I have not followed enough the that conversation to know that have the other options been revealed at any point, like publicly? <laughs> I haven't seen any. I haven't seen any, but I dread to think what they are. Because do you know who voted for that? Who it was decided? the players, wasn't it? Yeah, players. Yeah. And the like I mean not taking away anything from the players, but that piece of art is like okay, it's like it is in the eye of the beholder, but it, my take is that it's hideous. And it's not gonna like I would be surprised if it lasts like any championship celebrations for more than three or four years. But but it can also become an icon and in like in twenty years we're like thinking that okay that's an iconic trophy, but here we are and uh I don't <laughs> I don't see it. Like if I would see that piece of art, I would not say that it's a sports trophy. That would be like, yeah, yeah, maybe some in somebody's shelf or something like that, or I don't know. But but yeah, it is what it is, and uh, it stands for championship, so that's saying something. Um, so that'll just about uh, do it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank my co-host, Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you. Uh, now it's I just can't wait for the weekend. And uh, I, I'm sure our listeners are also on the same page on that <laughs> one. Um, and uh, from me, Ian Alba, uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this podcast, uh, please do like or subscribe. Please uh, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to know more about me and the things that I write, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Facebook at R, or you can also read articles on the blog. That's superpessisroundup.wordpress.com and you'll also find me writing occasionally on Hamina's website. Uh, but from me, Ian Alba, we'll see you soon. If you've got something that's hidden far away